King Wade, Fox, Peter, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons, and the afterlife. Boimler, Tendi's dog, Ransom is very harsh. Four drive, Black Alert, Giorgio has gone berserk. Teacher, bad left, Edward is an idiot, Fox is dead, Wolf is wed, Chekhov's wearing red. Peter's cat, Kim Pax hat, you has had enough of that, beam me up, make it so, everybody let's go. We are Well, good evening, Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. (laughs) It is Thursday, October 20th, 2022. It is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings Time. That means we are live. You can let your fingers do the walking and call Trek Talking right now at 646-668-2433. You're going to want to do that. Um, This is our 492nd episode. That's right, 492 episodes. Wow. Something special. And it's just time flies. And I'm planning a really special uh, Star Trek-centric show. Uh, for our 500th episode. Um, so you're going to want to keep your eyes on open for that because that's going to be a doozy. And if you've listened to the podcast in the past and you happen to know what my favorite Star Trek movie is, that's a little hint for you. So you want to stay tuned because it's going to be a good show. It's going to be a lot of fun like it always is. But tonight, though, tonight we're going to talk about Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3, Episode 8, Crisis Point 2, Paradoxes going to be fun uh boimler's holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original but he receives some news that changes everything dun 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 so you want to stay tuned for that but wait there's more we have star trek news to cover jonathan frakes teases more star trek after picard idw's announces a new defiant comic book Star Trek Discovery Season 5 adds a few new faces, and Daniel Davis is back as Moriarty. Or is he? We also have Convention Calendar and, of course, our Star Trek birthday. So it's going to be a lot of fun. we got a lot to talk about, so, you know, don't go away. Stay right there, and uh, we're going to have some fun. But before we dive in, though, I want to introduce to you my awesome Trek experts, and we'll start off with Charles, because Charles is out in Las Vegas. How you doing, Charles? I'm doing good. About 86 today. We're going to see two more days of 80s. A big windstorm coming in. And Sunday, we'll see 60s. And then hop a little bit up and spend some time in 70s. And it'll feel like fall finally. Awesome. And swinging over to Portland, where my trifecta is, we'll start out with David, the donut slash spaghetti guy. How you doing, David? I'm doing good. we got a lot of bad smoke going on over here right now from the Washington forest fires. So good thing I'm indoors. 
Good thing you're indoors, y'all. And also <laughs> hailing from the same neck of the woods, we have Paul slash toy slash the wine guy. How you doing tonight, Paul? Joel and true, my friend. Joel and true. I am doing well. Uh, the Empire's uh, grip upon all things is uh, tight, and uh, we are doing well. <laughs> very well. Very, very well. And all last but not least, together. also in the Portland area, we have our very own Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric? I am doing pretty good. I'll echo David's thoughts, though. Um, you know, our thoughts are going out to all of those people in Washington. We've got the Nakia Creek fire, the Sunset fire, the Sushin fire, the Black Hole fire, the Kalama fire, and then you get up into uh, more western Washington up towards the story. you got the Fishhawk Loop fire. So uh, we're thinking about y'all, and uh, we're just kind of breathing the after effects here in Portland. So, uh, man, let's hope, let's hope for some rain. Don't you guys get out there and rake the woods, for God's sakes? Come on. You got to rake up. Uh, well, it's, they do a pretty good job these days. And actually, you know, I'm I've recently learned, uh, Jim, not to like d- stray too far, but that you know that's still kind of a science that's be- being figured out. Like f- responsible forest management, everybody thinks, oh my gosh, we've kind of had it figured out for X number of years, or people long ago had it figured out, and maybe now we're refiguring it out. Truth is, uh, things are always changing. We're always figuring it out, and we're using scientific methods to make it better every year. So uh, let's hope for the best, and uh, let's move on to some trick. Yeah, so... That You guys can find out all your latest trek information at trektalking.com. That's right. Where, Eric? At trektalking.com. That's right. T-R-E-C-K. T-A-L-K-I-N-G. I almost said C-K. I don't know why. I don't know. Everybody knows it's spelled Trek. T-R-E-K. Trektalking.com. That's right. And where, where can you find it, Paul? Uh, trektalking.com, Jim. Trektalking.com. That's, that's right. David, where can you go for all your Trek information? Google. No, just kidding. Trek That's right. Let's see if Charles, Charles, where do you go for all your Trek information? I go to Trek Talking Facebook page. Well, yeah. which from there I might be able to get to TrekTalking.com too. That's right. Or you could just type in TrekTalking.com and go right to our page. And from there, go to our Facebook page because it's all linked together. And at trektalking.com, you guys will find a blog there. You'll find bios and pictures of all of awesome Trek sports that you hear on the radio. So you can put a name to the face. And uh, there's all kinds of great stuff there. So please head over to trektalking.com and leave us a message. There's a little microphone in the bottom If you corner. go to that page and you go to About, right, and you can go ahead and see all of our uh, different biographical information, and including, you'll see a photo of Eric's restraining order, which you can see nowhere else. <laughs> so That's I highly right. recommend visiting About to be able to find out what's really going on. That's right. Cause you know what happened? He, he, he grabbed my bat lift without asking permission, and I had to take mm. care of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, never ends well. That I speak, but at any rate, um, in, the, in the bottom right-hand corner, there's a little blue microphone. And the cool thing is, you can record a message for us right there, and it will come right to us. And I will play any messages that you guys leave for us on the next podcast. 
So that's pretty cool. If you're too shy to call right now, 646-668-2433, and talk to us live, then you can record a message for us at trucktalking.com, and I will play it on the show. So you can tell us. Have we got any what? messages yet so far, guys? Have we got any yet? Just my test messages. <laughs> okay. Then I suggest what we do is let's all of us over the weekend, let's let's all call in and leave fake messages for Jim, right? <laughs> Not that he won't be expecting it now, but yeah, oh, spoiler alert. But I, I think I could do at least three or four of those, right? And uh, he can play those on the air on like Monday or Thursday next week so people will get a sense of what, what, what this is what it would be Absolutely. like if I did it. It'll make yeah, people yeah. want to copy it. Yeah. Yeah, you I know – you guys can call and, and tell us the score of this week's Lower Decks episode and why you scored it that way. Instead of leaving it on our Facebook page, you can actually leave us a message. So, um, And when we have more stuff to give away, since the majority of the people listen to this show downloaded rather than live to make it that much fairer for everybody, you know, the first person that sends us a message at trucktalking.com uh, mm-hmm. will win the data, the Riker, the Picard, whatever it is we're giving away that week. You just call, record uh, us a message, I play it, and you win the data or the Riker or the Picard or whatever great stuff, comic books we give away, whatever. So uh, bookmark that now, trucktalking.com. It's the place to be. So anyways, uh, that's my spiel, and we're ready to dive right into the show. And I want to say hello to Nate. Nate's hanging out in Vegas as well, and we want to say hello to Nate. We know he's listening. Somewhere. Yo, Nate. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> Nate. All right, guys, it's time to dive right in. I want to let you guys know one more time uh, that we have 119,431 downloads of this podcast. That's pretty cool. And we have 103,111 likes on our Facebook page. So that's. Go over there and see how high we can get either one of those numbers. That's pretty cool. All right, guys. So this is the part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, um, which is actually one of my favorite parts of the show. Because Are you sure about that, Uncle Jim? Well, I don't know. I think you might be mistaken. Before birthdays? Didn't something else happen before birthdays where we acknowledge the community that keeps us alive, oh, the fans, shout-outs? I'm I'm getting too ahead of myself because there's so many great birthdays I just don't <laughs> to talk about. But yeah, put down know, the Klingon vodka, Jim. Put down the Klingon <laughs> vodka. No, it's blood wine, not vodka. <laughs> so are you sure? We uh, on our Facebook page, guys, or at TrekTalking.com. But don't forget TrekTalking.com. We have a TrekTalking.com. TrekTalking.com. That's right. There, we have a nice blog set up there, so you can you can blog with us, or you can leave us a message and say, "Hey, my name is is Inga, and I'm listening in Sweden or whatever." So you can leave us a message, and I will play it on the podcast, or you can go to Trek Talking and Beyond on our Facebook page, or you could go to TrekTalking.com and click on the Facebook link, and it'll take you right to it. Either way. You will see the Live Long and Prosper pinned to the top of the page. And just tell us where you're listening from. And every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim, picks 20 lucky listeners. And your name will be read out on the radio and will be immortalized through all of time as not only a Star Trek fan, but a Trek-talking fan. 
And uh, for that, we're going to turn to Eric to get us started. Eric, who's on your list for fan shout-outs this week? Well, Jim, our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to Albert Helmink, who is contacting us all the way from the uh, beautiful city, as I understand, of Arnhem in the Netherlands. That's right. Uh, The country that is uh, 50% below sea level. You people know how to live in a different and happy way that uh, I can only hope to achieve one day. Uh, So, Albert, thank you so much for supporting us from that part of the country and that part of the world. Uh, We really appreciate it. A big kapla to you and your family. We're also saying hello this week to Konstantinos Avagianis. That was my guess at how to pronounce that. From Greece. So, Konstantinos, uh, thank you so much for contacting us. I have never been to Greece. It's one of those places that I'd love to go. As an architect, it's obviously got some serious ramifications and pieces of architecture that you can see nowhere else. Uh, And we appreciate your support for the podcast all the way from that beautiful location on the planet. So thank you so much. We're also saying hello this week to Sanja Belomeric from Croatia, who sends us a little heart icon. Sanja, thank you. And a heart right back to you. Kapla. Dave McAllister is supporting us all the way from Blackpool in the UK uh, who, and flies little Union Jack there for us, little Union Jack icon. So Dave McAllister, thank you so much for supporting us, as well as so many others in the UK and around the planet. Charles, who would you like to acknowledge this week? Let's start off with Edgar Chavez from Mexico City. Top fan, Michael... Apasta Luco, or thereof, from Delaware. John Roberts, from the home of Starfleet headquarters itself, San Francisco. He's out there, he's out there searching for the nuclear vessel. And William, (laughs) and William, and William Burns from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Probably right now, wandering off towards Hershey, Pennsylvania, and looking for the chocolate. David, what about you? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah so I got Warren Husky from Los Angeles, USA. Uh, John Whip from Palm Coast, Florida. Amy Adrian C. Williams from Cleveland, Ohio. And last on my list is Marisa Monrovia. Marisa Monrovia. Ah, from uh, Colorado. Oh, who's on your list? Well, my friends, I am super excited about the list I have before me here today. Very, very excited. And one of the reasons I'm so excited is because of our first fan shout-out. Let me ask you, universe, cosmos, planet Earth, Frank Rusco, are you out there, my friend? Are you listening to us? Can you hear the sound of my voice? Because Frank Rusco lives in the village, the town, the city that is Wolverhampton, England, which to me, Paul, is a very special place because, friends, that is my ground zero. That is the place on the planet that my people hail from. That is where my mother was born. 
that is a, a powerful spot in the, the Paul mythology is Wolverhampton. It's where all my family hails from. Frank, I kind of feel like we might be related in some strange way. Uh, you're certainly a Wolves fan, I'm guessing, if you live in Wolverhampton. But, uh, Frank, if you know any of the Brewerton clan in uh, Wolverhampton, uh, give them a big high five when you see them on the sidewalk there, or more likely in a pub. And uh, thank you for being a fan. I was just absolutely delighted to find out that there are other Star Trek fans that hail from Wolverhampton. What a magical thing. This world is truly smaller than we ever imagined. So, hope to see you in person at some point, Frank. Take care, brother. From Romania! Big fan shout-out to De Zvaliuri in Romania. Magical country with some tremendous history to it. So, I'm always excited to see where people are listening to our show from and where they are taking in, taking in Star Trek from. So, Romania... Thank you, Day. I hope you're having a great day. In Greece, the motherland of all things involving civilization, a big shout-out to fan Betty Moira in Greece. Absolutely wonderful to hear from you. I see the Greek flag flying proudly next to your uh, hello there. And finally, for me, from the magical country of Germany, Brita Engelhardt is also letting us know that they're a fan of all things Star Trek and of Trek talking. So, Brita Thank you for reaching out. For all of you folks in Europe uh, and uh, points beyond, uh, we're all one planet. We're all one family. It's great to be able to connect with you. Jim, let me pass it to you, brother. All right, guys. I want to let you know that you you cannot listen to Trek Talking live at trektalking.com because we broadcast from Blog Talk Radio. So 45 minutes after we end this broadcast, the feed will go out, and then it will be available at trucktalking.com. So you have to click on our Facebook link that I posted or go to Blog Talk Radio to listen to us live. But 45 minutes after we end the show, it will be available at trucktalking.com. All right, guys. So um, I've got some fan shout-outs here. i got to take a deep breath. For this first one, uh, he's our top fan, Christopher Moore, and he says, I've been around with a smiley face. Oh, my God, has he ever. And here we go. I was born in <laughs> Manhattan. I lived in New York City as an infant, then to suburban Westwood, New Jersey, then Westwood in L.A., a theme there. San Diego, where my family originated, Rivendell, New Jersey, where I mostly grew up, then Camden, New Jersey, where I learned to duck bullets. More of the same in Philadelphia, back to New Jersey, then off to San Diego and Ocean Beach, where I learned to relax and ended up in upstate South Carolina, somewhere unwillingly, but in a nice place. I've never actually listed everywhere I have ever lived. It's hard to keep track. If I ever move again, it will be to a nice desert southwest, likely New Mexico, somewhere around Los Alamos. So, uh, Chris, thank you for listening. Okay. We also want to say Kapla to Rebecca Cleveland, who's listening to us in Oregon on the coast. Ooh, I'm getting a, I'm getting a Coos Bay vibe from Rebecca. Yeah, I can there. feel the Coos Bay. Yeah, I yeah. feel Coos Bay, man. That's, yeah. that's, that's southerly magic is what that is. Yeah, Live long so and prosper, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca Kapla. We also want to say live long and prosper to Kyle Alverson, who's listening to us from Liverpool, England. There's that rock band came from there, the Bugs or something. I, I do. The Maggots, I think they're called. The, the Maggots. Yeah. 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 No, those are the Monkeys. 
the oh, monkeys. The monkeys. It's the other ones, the ones with the black hair instead. Yeah. Yeah, those guys. Um, one of them was on the, the drill thralls. <laughs> yeah, the drill thralls. <laughs> and last but not least, we want to say Kaplan. Thank you for listening to Roxanne Robinson, who's listening to us in Inglewood, California. All right, guys, now it's time for Star Trek birthdays. All right, guys, we've got a lot of birthdays. We've got some really good ones on our list. And uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to go back and, and talk about these characters and these episodes because there's a lot of people out there that maybe didn't see them or weren't born when they aired. So it's a lot of fun to remember them and talk about them. But we always like to start off with those members of our Star Trek family who, sadly enough, are no longer with us. And for that, we turn to Eric. Yeah, Jim, this week we are remembering 10 members of our Star Trek community who are no longer with us. And usually we sort of save the big ones for last, but uh, this week we thought maybe we'd put them a little little earlier. So uh, let's go with somebody who I believe just about anyone who is familiar with Star Trek will know uh, this name. Uh, unfortunately, years ago we lost the great actor Mark Leonard. Uh, who in Star Trek lore is best known, of course, as the Vulcan ambassador Spock, father, or Sarek, excuse me, father, uh, of course, of Spock, uh, probably the most famous Vulcan of all time in Star Trek. Uh, And we first see Sarek way back in the TOS days uh, in Journey to Babel. Later we see him in Star Trek III, Star Trek IV, Star Trek VI, uh, and he would make his final appearance as Sarek in 1991 in uh, the episode Unification One. Uh, and it was cool because he was also one of the actors who, of course, was able to reprise his role uh, in the animated series, voicing uh, Sarek's role in the episode Yesteryear. And... Uh, Sarek is not the only one, so he plays the Vulcan logical side most famously, but that his first appearance is uh, even before that, uh, back in the one of, perhaps one of the best episodes of TOS of all time, Balance of Terror, he, of course, was the Romulan commander. And uh, while not technically the first Romulan we see, uh, because uh, his partner there appears just seconds before him on screen, he is often credited with that appearance and certainly set the bar for what a Romulan was to be in all of Star Trek for years to come. So uh, no he question, plays, he plays no question. that side. He plays that side, and and so not not only does he stop there, but uh, you know, as we head from the TOS years into the motion picture years, he is the first, you know, pray mostly Romulan we see. He's also the first uh, spiny-headed Klingon we see. Uh, So he, of course, is the Klingon captain of the ICAS Amar in Star Trek, the motion picture. Um, So this man is all over Star Trek. Uh, His his acting prowess is unrivaled, I would say. Uh, You know, this guy uh, was was into Broadway back in the day. Um, He's got acting credits out the wazoo that are not necessarily Star Trek credits. He is a uh, army veteran. 
um, this, this guy had a very busy life and um, needless to say, uh, his mark is, in his, is indelible. One thing that I found interesting later on was that uh, Leonard actually worked with um, Ken Penders to write a comic book title, The Lessons of Life, that was to be published by DC Comics as a prestige hardcover graphic novel tied in with the release of the Seric novel from Pocket Books. However, this project died, but it led Leonard to writing Blood and Honor, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine comic released in 1995, where the son of his Romulan character from Balance of Terror met a descendant of James T. Kirk's on Deep Space Nine. So uh, a little bit of Leonard getting his writing chops on in the Star Trek oh, universe man. as well, I think is pretty Gotta cool. Got to seek that and out. I am, I'm going to Cosmic Monkey tomorrow, and I'm going to see if maybe there's a chance. Maybe there's that's, a chance. That's, that's going down the deep down the rabbit hole, man. I, 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 that may be hard to find. I think uh, I'm while you're toddling over there, I'm going to go straight to eBay. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Are you a Planet well, of the Apes fan? He he oh, yeah. he played General Urko in the Planet of the yeah. Apes TV. As on the well. TV series in 1974, he was a great bad guy, man. He was awesome, and that voice you just can't you can't miss it. He had like such an indelible voice you never mistake it for somebody else. He was just a phenomenal actor. And mm. and I got to tell you guys, I got to share my Mark Leonard story, which I do every year. So Eric and Charles can go get some pizza wings or something, run to the bathroom. <laughs> but, pizza wings, pizza and wings, pizza whatever. Wings? The, the uh, the God, very, very that, that sounds awesome. The, the very first Star Trek convention that I ever did, I sat down with my girlfriend, my wife now. Who, who do we want to meet? And uh, my wife obviously wanted to meet someone from TNG, so Marina Sirtis. And I said, oh, no, 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 no. It's got to be Spock's father. It's got to be Mark Leonard. So we had Marina Sirtis and Mark Leonard. So uh, Karen and I go to pick Mark Leonard up at the airport and Number one rule is you don't talk about Star Trek, which, which you know. And uh, we get back to the hotel. I bring him up to his room. We sit down in his room. We start talking. And he starts talking about Star Trek. Okay, cool. Now we can do it. At uh, that time, Star Trek VI was just coming out. And Unification had just aired. Uh, unfortunately, Mark Leonard did not know that they killed Sarek. Uh, because he didn't die on screen. If you guys recall, Picard gets a message on the Klingon ship that he's dead. We, we don't see him die. He's, you know, so he was pretty upset that, you know, they killed off his character and didn't even tell him about it. He just heard about it at the convention. Uh, somebody asked him, hey, so what do you think about them killing off Sarek? And, and he didn't know anything about it. So, but he did say that his favorite character he wanted to play. He didn't really like playing Sarek. I know that's the character he's known for, but the character that he really wished he could have played more of was the Romulan commander. Uh-huh. He, he thought that, that Rom, the Romulan commander was a much, much better character. So there you have it. So we're up in the we're, we're sitting up in the hotel room, and I'm really nervous. This is my first convention, blah, blah, blah. And Mark Leonard reaches across the table and does the Vulcan mind meld right on me right there and I was like I was it was a wow it was a dream come true I was like wow wow Sarek mind melded me this is awesome best memory (laughs) ever he was such a nice kind personable guy 
Um, I got a picture of him with my parents at the convention. Friendliest guy you'd ever want to be. Nicest guy. Loved the fans. Loved Star Trek. And uh, I'm, I'm, I miss him. I miss him. He was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, story. Oh, no, well, wait. I do have one more, which I don't think you guys have ever heard. So what? Mark Leonard came on stage at the convention, and he brought with him part of his Klingon head that he wore in Star Trek motion picture, but he also brought with him the, the face piece that he wore in Planet of the Apes. And he told a story about eating uh, celery because it was the only thing he could get inside the mask. So you, you, you might see some uh, publicity shots of Urko eating celery. And that's because that was the only food he could really eat that wouldn't wreck up his makeup. But he came out on stage and he told a joke. All right, guys, this is a Mark Leonard this is a Mark Leonard original uh, that he, he told on stage when he came out at the convention. He came out at the convention and he said, hey, guys, why did the Klingon bring 17 friends to the movie? I don't know. Nobody knows. Because it was rated R with NC-17. Boom, boom. <laughs> okay, well, anyways. <laughs> I guess it's better to tell this. <laughs> All right. Well, that's, that's my Mark Leonard story, so um, um, we can we can move on now. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love your stories, Jim. They they you know I feel like they lend a lot of insight into what the person uh, was actually like. So I I really appreciate those. So yeah, Mark Leonard uh, would have had a birthday this week, and of course he is he's remembered and missed um, throughout uh, the entire Star Trek community. So happy birthday, Mark Leonard. Uh, moving on, we're also saying happy birthday this week to actor David Armstrong, uh, who appeared in the TOS episodes uh, Operation Annihilate. Uh, he was in Cartan. Uh, he was uh, sorry, his character was Cartan in Operation Annihilate. He was also in A Taste of Armageddon, uh, and uh, then later was in Next Generation in The Royale. Uh, so he had a couple of uncredited appearances in addition to his credited appearance as Cartan. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Dave actually made his uncredited appearance, uh, first appearance in the 1954 film, A Star is Born, uh, as guest star uh, Richard Webb. He also appeared as a reporter in the 1977 film, New York, New York, which, of course, featured Dick Miller. So uh, Dave Armstrong would have had a birthday this week. Uh, happy birthday, Dave Armstrong. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Marsha Hunt, who played Anne Jameson in TNG's episode Too Short a Season. Uh, Marsha Hunt, uh, of course, was an aged woman at the time that she was in that episode. She actually spent a short time working at Poverty Road B-Movie Studios, uh, where she made a contact with MGM in the 1940s and starred in such films as The Human Comedy, Cry Havoc, and Raw Deal. So that is kind of where she got her acting career started. So happy birthday to Marsha Hunt. Also saying happy birthday this week to Alan Bergman, who played Lal in TOS's episode The Empath, not the Lal that you're thinking of, not Data's Lal. Uh, this is the uh, the other character, the one who sort of looks vaguely Talosian. Um, Bergman also appeared in various television series throughout his career uh, and uh, lived to be a ripe old 89 years old. So happy birthday, Alan Bergman. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Ron Taylor, uh, 
who of course played the Klingon chef in DS9's episodes Melora and Playing God. I have a, um, a, a personal attachment to this guy because, uh, as we all know, GM Chris sometimes gets mentioned on the podcast. There was a brief period of time during COVID in particular where we were playing an online uh, version of Dungeons and Dragons through Discord, and there was a Klingon chef. And every time I think of that character, I think of this guy. Um, but this guy didn't just play the Klingon chef. Ron Taylor also voiced two characters in the Star Trek video game, Star Trek Klingon Academy. Uh, but he also crosses over into one of my other favorite franchises, The Simpsons. Uh, he is the voice of Bleeding Gums Murphy. That's right. Bleeding oh. Murphy is Ron Taylor. Yep. So happy birthday, Ron Taylor. Uh, great Klingon. Great saxophone player. Uh, Mark Lemura would have had a birthday this week. We're saying happy birthday to him as well. He portrayed the Zalconian John Doe in t- the TNG episode Transfigurations. You remember uh, he was the uh, character who was kind of on the verge of evolution to the next form of pure energy. And uh, on television, Lemira worked in 1986 on the legal drama Matlock. Uh, so he's known for that. And uh, he was also on the short-lived medical series Heartbeat in 1989. So happy birthday to Mark Lemira as well. Happy birthday this week uh, to somebody who I just really have a real soft spot for. Uh, Lou Scheimer is one of the original founders of Filmation, and I think that you know the company I'm talking about. Um, yep. And of course, he, he was the producer of uh, Star Trek, the animated series, and actually voiced four different characters uh, in the animated series, including the Romulan, uh, a Romulan voice in Practical Joker. Uh, he voiced Lemos in the Abergris element and Demos in the episode Albatross. Um, so, yeah. Do you guys want to say anything about Lou Scheimer? He's just a pioneer, man. I mean, he's just a phenomenal uh, amount of things that he's done. I mean, everything from like Zorro and Tarzan animation, uh, Fat Albert uh, was yeah. uh, part of his deal there. Um, zany spin-off stuff like the animated Gilligan's Planet. I mean, there's so many things like that. But of course, you know, casting the long shadow, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yeah, there you go. Ghostbusters, She-Ra, you know, all that stuff, man. I mean, uh, I'm like you, man. For me, it'll always be Star Trek. I mean, always, right? Always. But uh, the the fandom around He-Man is off the chain. That thing is just nuts. I mean, it's just so potent a fan franchise. There's so much merch being produced about that show is crazy. More popular than ever. And I, and I'd say a huge chunk of that has to go to the producing power of uh, Mr. Scheimer. I mean, wow. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Go Pittsburgh, Lou. (laughs) Yeah. Lou. He had that like accent. Yeah. (laughs) Pittsburgh like accent. Uh, All right. So happy birthday to Lou Scheimer who has gone before us. Uh, We really appreciate your contributions there, man. Uh, happy birthday also to Lev Mailer, who played uh, the character Bylar in TOS's episode, The Return of the Archons. Uh, interesting fact, Ralph Marr was actually born uh, as Ralph Marr, <laughs> but he described himself in his early life as something of a troublemaker. Um, he got low grades in school, um, didn't think that he was like he had low self-confidence. 
Uh, and his first exposure to acting was actually in high school when he got cast in a local theater production. And afterwards, um, acting kind of became his light that sort of turned his life around. And uh, he chose to see acting as a profession and made a, made a good run of it. So uh, there you go, man. Acting can save your life uh, for a troublemaker in school. So happy birthday to Lev Mailer. We're also saying happy birthday to Michael Dunn, who pl- portrayed Alexander in the TOS episode Plato's Stepchildren. Michael, of course, is a very famous uh, Academy Award-winning, Tony Award-winning actor, uh, described himself as a dwarf, uh, so a little person. Um, You would recognize this guy from many, many things. At one point, he was actually considered by Gene Roddenberry for the part of Spock uh, in The Cage. He also, of course, was considered for the role of Baylock in the Carbomite Maneuver, which eventually went to Clint Howard. Oh, that would have um, been amazing. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. Yeah. That would have been yep. amazing. Can you imagine Michael Dunn as Baylock? That would be – Absolutely. Yeah. What a yeah. fit. That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. So uh, Michael Dunn, fantastic actor. Um, wild, very... wild West, man. you got to mention that. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. Do you want to say about that, Paul? Oh, it's just, uh, it was, you know, uh, that's a show that, uh, you know, folks who love their syndicated Star Trek probably watched a ton in the 70s. And uh, he was uh, the main character's uh, recurring villain, Dr. Miguelito Loveless, right? Just a a Moriarty type villain, right? Just an evil genius, but one you just, you know, you kind of couldn't help but admire. One of those bad guys, right? But uh, absolutely amazing, charismatic performer. Uh, phenomenal. Um, awesome. Just uh, really, really great. Yeah. So happy birthday to Michael Dunn, and uh, we miss you, man. And uh, our final remembrance this week goes out to actor John Anderson. Uh, John Anderson has one of those faces that you would know from all over the place as well. Um, in Star Trek lore, he, of course, played Kevin Uxbridge in the TNG episode the survivors um kevin was uh, or excuse me john uh was born uh in uh illinois my home state and it's funny because he bear he bore such a strong resemblance i guess to the actual abraham lincoln that he was often cast as him uh he portrayed him in several different projects and um actually had a small role that some people forget about as the friendly car salesman in Hitchcock's Psycho. So he crosses over (laughs) into Hitchcock as well. Um, He had a guest appearance on MASH. Um, He was uh, on Quantum Leap, which is where he crossed over with Scott Bakula, which is another great Star Trek connection. So John Robert Anderson um, would have had a birthday this week as well. So, uh, ladies and gents, that is it. That is all 10 remembrances. Uh, those are the Star Trek folks who have gone before us who would have had a birthday this week. So, uh, praise and remembrances going out to them. And Charles, why don't you, uh, take it away with those folks who are still with us? I sure will. Let's start off with Cameron Arnett, who appeared, who played Mandel in TNG's Disaster. Mary Elizabeth. McGlynn, who played Delon in Voyager's Visitors, is a not only a voice actress, but a voice director. 
including some of her work in some of the other series we've seen, like in Star Wars Rebels, Star Wars Resistance, um, many of the Star Wars uh, Lego episodes, and a lot of other things. She did. She's done quite a bit. There was a large, major role. Her actually, her directing actually was above her acting credits in IMDb. So she's done quite a bit for voice work. Sabrina Scaharth. Sharp. Played Miramie. Miramani. 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 Miramani in TLS episode Paradise Syndrome. Uh, only did a few ro- few different other series in about the 60s and 70s. About 28 roles, and that's the last we saw her. Renee Jones played Lieutenant Aquil Inari in TNG's Aquil. Has many different shows in her career, but I'm trying to figure out when she had time to do any other acting. As she was in, remember the dates, from 1982 to 2012, she appeared in Days of Our Lives 1,801 times. Yeah. Wow. Not sure how she tried to act anywhere else. Twenty yeah. years in that series. That's a lot. And then wow. that's a lot. Kimberly and Kimberly Farr played Grey uh, Lagore in TNG's Symbosis. Uh, not many roles for her. She's got a couple of roles in the sixties, about seven in the seventies, about the last we saw of her as well. But I was impressed with Renee of like, okay, I don't think I've seen that many episodes on IMDb for a single show <clears throat> for one person. <clears throat> so, Paul, who's on your list? All right. Well, I got all kinds of good folks on here. We're having a revelry and birthdays uh, with us this time of the month. First of all, super excited. To say happy birthday to the phenomenal Lori Petty, uh, amazing feisty actor who's just been tank in a girl. ton. Yeah, tank, tank girl, girl for sure. <laughs> tank girl for sure. Uh, blew the doors off, I think, and got everyone's attention for you know her starting her career in uh, a dynamite picture. I think a lot of people uh, <laughs> dismiss it. It's kind of become a, almost like. A, you know, kind of a cult laugh sometimes, but Catherine Bigelow's great point break with uh, Keanu Reeves. That's a great freaking movie, man. And she was just hardcore. She was a hardcore surfer girl at point break. Uh, Follow that with a league of their own, a great baseball picture, uh, free Willie, uh, tons and tons of great stuff. And of course, tank girl. And uh, we, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, totally, man. Absolutely. Great call there, brother. 
Orange is New Black uh, played Wally Whitehill on that show. Um, really great and still working today. So out there uh, wreaking havoc wherever she goes, I am sure. So uh, we acknowledge uh, Lori Petty for her role of NOS in the Voyager episode Gravity. So she is firmly established as part of the Star Trek universe. This is probably the greatest uh, happy birthday I'll ever get to do. So I'd like to say happy birthday to the inestimable, the the phenomenal, the spacefaring Dr. May Jemison. Yeah. Astronaut May Jemison appeared yeah. as Lieutenant Junior Grade Palmer in the next gen episode Second Chances. And of course we know the first black woman to travel into space. You are history incarnate. Dr. Jemison, and uh, it's just phenomenal that you also uh, made time to express your uh, affection and uh, appreciation for Star Trek in your incredibly uh, enduring and uh, pivotal career. So, happy birthday. I hope you're, uh, hope you're being treated well and uh, truly, uh, truly living it up because you've done amazing things in your life. Happy birthday to the great Michael McKeon, a wonderful, wonderful actor. Um, We know him in Star Trek for playing the clown in the Voyager episode, The Thaw. But holy cats, Michael McKeon has just done so much great stuff. I, myself, well, I mean, there's a lot of people I'm sure who are more recently familiar with Michael's work in Better Call Saul, um, where he's on there as Chuck McGill. Everybody probably has watched that show uh, quite a bit but for me <laughs> sorry michael don't hate me you will always be uh, legendary guitarist david st hubbins from spinal tap yeah totally <laughs> the greatest well, comedy maybe of all time and uh, yeah. you were hilarious in that movie i'm super excited to recently hear that uh, you and your partners in crime christopher guest and all those good buddies are getting together to do a spinal tap sequel uh, slated for 2024 so my god that's going to be absolutely insane i cannot wait to see that but he's all over the place Um, michael mckean also does a preposterous amount of uh of voice work as well um, he's been on Sesame Street. He's been on Batman. He's been on, you know, you name it, Thundercats. I mean, he's just a a busy cat. Uh, he's all he over the place. But uh, opposite Squiggy with Lenny and Squiggy yep. on the Laverne Shirley. That's yeah. right, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Laverne, uh, Laverne and Shirley, tremendous. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, a, a living legend for sure. And uh, I don't know if you, a lot of you follow Twitter, but uh, not one to censor his thoughts on the mighty Twitter. Uh, Michael is very happy to uh, shut people down and not suffer fools gladly. Um, I think that's a fabulous characteristic. I mean, it's not not worrying about politically saying the wrong thing. Michael's just letting it go and uh, and. Uh, made a great character on uh, on Better Call Saul. I mean, he's just a tremendous uh, performer. So uh, uh, long life to you, sir, and thank you for all of your great performances. I hope you're really living it up today. Happy birthday, Michael McKean. Happy birthday also to actress Barbara Baldivine, who played Angela Martin, uh, old school original series fans will recognize her from a couple of air episodes. She was in Balance of Terror, but uh, she really got to show off her stuff in uh, Shore Leave on there. So she's been in a couple of pivotal roles in that first season of Star Trek. Barbara Baldivine, 
Baldavin. I'm not sure 100% how to pronounce uh, your name, but I, I know you're having a wonderful birthday. And finally for me, uh, another uh, original series episode, That Which Survives. Uh, want to be able to uh, say happy birthday to Kenneth Washington, who memorably played uh, engineer John Watkins in that episode. I am for you, Mr. Watkins. <laughs> That's so great. He's like, um, I don't know who you are or what you're doing down here in engineering, but please keep your distance and don't touch me. I got this uh, uh, stainless steel space wrench I'm working with, and I'd really rather not <laughs> not meet my end down here. So really great. It was one of those things where he's got like, you know, 20, 30 seconds of screen time, but indelible, indelible. Um, really cool uh, work, sir. So happy birthday. And uh Thanks for your contributions to Star Trek to all of you wonderful actors. And now I'll spin the mighty flaming uh, birthday candle of joy to Uncle Jim. Well, I've only got four, so we're almost done. Got some four. We want to say happy birthday to Thomas Capacci, who played Kira Taban, Kira's father, on Deep Space Nine. Uh, He appeared in several episodes in the fifth and sixth season as Kira's father. Uh, he also appeared on the TNG episode uh, Next Phase as Mirak. He was the Romulan character in that movie. Yeah. And he appeared on voice episode The Thaw as Verosa, who, of course, Michael McKeon was in that episode as well. So that's a cool tie-in. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Patricia McNulty, who played Yeoman Tina Lawton in the TOS episode Charlie X. Uh, she lost her face. You guys might remember. Oh. Lost it. I don't know. Did yeah, she ever no. get it back? I'm not uh, sure. No, I don't think they show that. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, I don't know if they show Charlie giving it back to her or not. But happy birthday to Patricia, Patricia McNulty. And here's 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 one, here's one that was mentioned on Lower Decks. Actually, we want to say happy birthday to Jeff McCarthy. And you're saying, who the hell is that? Well, I'm going to tell you. Relax. Uh, he appeared on TNG episode The Hunted as Roga Denar, and he was mentioned in uh, Lower Decks, if you guys recall, when yeah. uh, they the were Reagan. talking about the – yes, they were talking about him, and they clearly brought him up first. But, but that's not all. He appeared in the Voyager uh, pilot episode Caretaker as Dr. Fitzgerald. He was a dink, if you recall. Yeah. Um, he was a... Roga Danar was a way better character. Yes, Roga Danar was a much, much better character, I felt. Uh, and I always save the Klingons for last. And I do have one. I have one this week. Um, we want to say kapla to Paul Roselli, who played Brigadier Curla in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. And that, my friends, wraps up our Star Trek birthdays. And now it's time for... convention calendar kicking off this week with the Megalos <coughs> convention November 19th through the 20th at the Holiday Inn Long Island Eastlip Airport East in Holtzville New York that's right uh, go check out Megalos we're also tracking the Maui Comic Con December 10th 
through the 11th at the University of Hawaii, Maui College in Kalahui, Hawaii. That sounds like the one I want to go to. And, you know, being yeah. on the West Coast, I'm only like a five-hour flight away. So, yeah, who the heck knows? <laughs> sounds beautiful, though. And we're also going to be checking out the Raptor Con, same weekend, December 10th through the 11th at the National Guard Armory in beautiful Evanston, Indiana, which I have been to, or Evansville, excuse me, uh, Indiana, which I have been to many, many times. So uh, go check out the RaptorCon. David, what conventions are you watching? All right. Looks like we got a comic book and non-sports card show over at the Annadale Volunteer (laughs) Fire Department. In Annadale, Virginia, on December 11th. I love that that you guys have this convention going. Um, Can I suggest you hire somebody to get yourself a good name? Because comic book and non-sport card show is not super compelling, (laughs) man. You call yourself like the Volunteer Fire Con or something, man. Like Smoke Jumpers Jamboree. Yeah, there you go. Now we're talking. Yeah, now I want to go. But... But wait, but wait. The next one's even better. Right yeah, this good, though. I love this. This one's awesome. All right. And the next one is Jim and Dan Comics and Toy Show at the Wright State University Student Union in Fairborn, Ohio, on December 11th. Now, I would That's go to that. That's another dynamic name. That's a real, very dynamic name, right? Dude, I, I, I love that Jim and Dan are doing it. They've got their own yeah. website, um, and yeah, it looks official, man. I, it, it's good. It's legit. Jim and Dan. All right. And last on my list is the QuadCon uh, Davenport from December 10th through 11th at North Park Mall in Davenport, Iowa. Mm, beautiful quad cities. All right, Paul. What's on your list? Oh, man, it blows my mind, dudes, that we are already talking about cons that take place in the month of December. December. Okay? I mean, right? come on, that's freaking me out. I mean, we're looking to, we're all sitting here and saying it, but like, think about it. It's freaking December we're talking about here. The year's coming to an end. It's going to be absolutely bonkers, absolutely bonkers, right? So first of all, in, uh, I'm going to throw this out to uh, all those who know uh, Eric's home state, uh, Rosemont, Illinois. You keyboard warriors all know Control-Alt-Delete, right? Everyone knows yeah, that. Yeah. But uh, what about Con-Alt-Delete? Okay, because Con-Alt-Delete is happening in Rosemont, Illinois, December 16th through 18th at the Hyatt Regency O'Hare, which means basically you can walk from the, from the airport to this amazing yeah. con. I mean, how great is that? Stayed so, there uh, a couple weeks ago. Absolutely, man. The Hyatt. <laughs> Living large, Eric. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sometimes mama's paying. Excellent. You know, every now and then you got to just you know, rack up that room service bill. I don't know who ordered that. It was a, <laughs> no one ever stocked the mini bar before I got here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let me speak to the manager. Oh, my God. Incredible. So uh, you can follow Eric's example in just a few short weeks. Well, more than a few short weeks because it is December 16th through 18th. So who knows what's going to be going on then? December 17th, pretty much that same week, for one day only. That's right, one day only. Fabulous. New York, New York. The city's so great, they named it twice. You can travel to the majestic New Yorker Hotel, and that hotel, friends, is pretty freaking majestic. It is iconic on the New York skyline there. 
giant red letters saying New Yorker screaming at the Empire State Building in the background. It's right next to Penn Station. So uh, bring your suit of armor with you. <laughs> that would be my advice. And a flamethrower because you're going to be like, hey, you want to be able to make it across the street to the New Yorker and uh, attend Big Apple Comic Con. Big Apple Comic Con 2022. There are a lot of comic fans in midtown manhattan let me tell you from experience a lot and a lot of them are crazy okay i mean absolutely crazy and they will be spilling into the new yorker hotel lobby and uh, adjacent restaurants nearby with unchecked bravado and zeal you don't want to miss this one right so you have some crazy stories to tell your family at the the christmas and the new year's eve uh, dinner table I wouldn't miss it for the world. It's not letting me down right now, man. So go, go. And also in uh, magical Alhambra, California, gosh, it's Christmas Eve. And you've just been so busy, you forgot to get toys for your kid, right? It's Christmas Eve. And maybe Santa's a little busy and you forgot to write him, right? So, hey, here's what you can do. Toyzilla Swap Meet 2022 Alhambra for California residents. It's happening on Christmas Eve. Oh my God! Brilliant. So you Brilliant. can show up there. You can get the latest Star Trek toys. Grab some of those Playmates figures you've been hearing about but forgot to get a hold of. It's right there. Toyzilla Swap Meet 2022 Alhambra, California, Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2022. Who knows who you're going to run into on Christmas Eve? You could run into elves. You could run into the abominable snowman, Rudolph, Santa, the girl of your dreams. Anything sound possible in Alhambra, California. Charles, take it away. Well, you know what, Paul? You used up 2022. I'm going to have to go all the way to 2023. (laughs) You've crossed the threshold, man. You've gone where no one has gone before, Charles. Well, why don't we go to New Orleans? (laughs) The fan Expo New Orleans, January 6th through 8th, 2023, at the New Orleans Ernest and Morrill Center. Or we can go to Otuka Fest, January 13th to 15th in the Miami Airport Convention Center in Miami, Florida. Or WildCon on January 14th at the Win Wildwood Convention Center in Wildwood, New Jersey. Hey, that's close to Jim. I bet Jim could go to that one. I could. I could indeed. But I'd, you know what? I bet Jim would love to do some news now. Yes, we absolutely would. It's time for uh, Star Trek news, which means um, we have to play the Star Trek news theme song. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete. Now, you see, this is live, and that's how you know it's live. <laughs> so instead of playing Star I Trek News, I saw SNW, and I said, oh, that must be it, and that's the Strange New Worlds theme, not yeah. the Star Trek. 
theme. All right, guys, all the stories that we're about to talk about can be found in their entirety on our Facebook page. So if you want to look any of them up, please go there and read the full story instead of the Uncle Jim abridged version. Charles, why don't you get us started? Okay, this Jim wants me to take a deep breath on this one. Star Trek Discovery, somewhere to belong to put Discovery crew through traditional Star Trek adventure. Star Trek Discovery, somewhere to belong, has been announced to release in May 2023. Somewhere to belong is a new Star Trek Discovery novel written by Dayton Ward and is set between Paramount Plus's series, third and fourth series, Somewhere to Belong looks to examine how the USS Discovery crew adjusted to life 930 years into their own future. And will look into the crew's more holistical and reveal the dangerous connection to Discovery's past. Here's the book's official synopsis. Captain Michael Burnham and the crew of the USS Discovery are finding that each day is a critical adjustment to their new lives and new mission in the Alpha Quadrant more than 900 years in the future. It's here that Discovery is reconnecting with various worlds where the cataclysmic event known as the Burn has disseminated Starfleet and with it the United Federation of Planets. There have been precious little time for the crew to truly come to terms with their present reality, as their devotion duty hides the emotional stress that could impact their effectiveness and even threaten themselves or others. After a successful journey to yet another planet cuts off, cuts off from the Federation, the scary picture signal located in a nearby star system, a plea that harbors roots from their past lives of the 23rd century, and which may now lead to an entire new crisis, plunging them in all into mortal danger. Ward previously wrote Star Trek Discovery's novel Drastic Measures, which we have reviewed on the show, bringing the prime timeline Gabe, Gabe Lorkel and Philippa Giorgio together in a key moment in James T. Kirk's life. Unlike Drastic Measures, which I wrote as a prequel, Set 10 years before the events of Discovery's first season, he has written something with a more strict set of parameters, as this one is set a narrow gap between the seasons. I had to work with constraints that implies, but hey, welcome to writing tie-in fiction for a show that's currently active in active production. Chartered Discovery Somewhere Belongs goes on sale May 23rd, 2023. Add another book to my collection that I need to read. Absolutely. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I mean, we loved that book when we read it, and that little reveal at the very, very end was kind of, I think we were all pretty surprised by that. We talked for a long time uh, about that afterwards. So, uh, you know, Dayton Ward, there's no question this guy knows how to write um, pocket fiction, you know, and he did a fantastic job with that book. And I'm absolutely excited about Somewhere to Belong. Um, You know, I will say I've been hungry for some more stories set in the 32nd century. And I was kind of hoping that the comic books series, the adventures in the 32nd series were, or 32nd century, <laughs> excuse me, we're going to, we're going to satisfy that. 
and they didn't. And so um, I like that this is a book that is now branching into that particular time frame. I believe it's the first book set in that uh, future time frame. So I, I think it's going to be something special. No question that Dayton Ward is an excellent writer, and so I'm sure it'll be well-written. Uh, hopefully, we'll all find the story compelling, but I'm excited to reveal when it comes out for sure. Well, absolutely, because Drastic Measures was, was, was a phenomenal read. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed that yeah, one. Yeah, Jim, Jim kind of freaked out over that book. I think, like, of all the books that we've read, that was the one that I would say Jim freaked out the most on because he yeah. just loves Lorca so much. So. Yeah, we we really don't know Prime Lorca. Yeah. Not, we don't. So in this book, we get to learn about him. And he was a, yep. he was a really cool character. So great, great read. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with this one. Well, speaking of Star Trek Discovery, the showrunners promised a shift in tone for season five with action, adventure, and fun. While at New York City Comic-Con, executive producer Michelle Paradise talked about how after saving the galaxy from an apocalypse last season, the show is changing the tone for season five. Paradise said, we do have a bit of a tonal shift this season. We try to keep every season feeling fresh and new. Coming into the season, Alex and I talked about shifting the tone a little bit because there was a bit of heaviness in season three and particularly season four with the DMA. So this is more of an action-adventure sort of season. There is mystery, there's a quest, and there is this mysterious power. There is a quest that our heroes are on, and they do have a chance to go on quite a few adventures this season, which will be fun. Wilson Cruz added, I think that's what's beautiful about this season, and it gives each of us an opportunity to come together as the team that we've developed. And everybody has to bring their A-game in order to solve this mystery. And we get to travel to a lot more through the galaxy and go to places we've never seen before. It's exciting. There is no release date set for Star Trek Discovery Season 5. Eric, what do you got for us? Uh, well, I get to talk uh, not about Star Trek Discovery, but pivoting back to Star Trek Picard and the upcoming Season 3. Daniel Davis talked about his different Moriarty in Star Trek Picard Season 3. The hologram of James Moriarty, played by Daniel Davis, was created in the second season of Star Trek The Next Generation's episode Elementary Dear Data by Jordi LaForge, who tasked the Enterprise's computer to create an opponent that could defeat Data. The result was a hologram that became self-aware and tried to take over the ship. Davis played the character again in the sixth season's Ship in a Bottle, which ended with the hologram being stored in a cube that ran a simulation so he would believe that he had escaped the USS Enterprise. Ooh, if that isn't super filling building, I don't know what is. <laughs> now the character is returning in season three of Picard, and showrunner Terramitalis says he is one of the three villains, the other two being Amanda Plummer's Vedic, Vadic, Vedic? I don't know how to exactly pronounce that, but it's V-A-D-I-C. And Brent Spiner's lore. Yay, lore's back. During the New York Comic Con uh, panel, show star Patrick Stewart was asked to talk more about working with Daniel Davis again, but, but Metallus jumped in to try and prevent any spoilers, saying he can't. Stewart did say this Moriarty being back again is both entertaining and threatening. Uh, duh. 
Daniel Davis said he was happy to finally be able to talk about it, but also revealed that he only appears in a single episode of Picard. So major villain, one episode. Quote, I have to say a hallelujah because my non-disclosure agreement was lifted yesterday at the New York Comic Con with the announcement that Moriarty would be returning. I've had to sit on this information since last December when I went to Los Angeles to film the episode. It was a fantastic experience as it always is. The work was very wonderful. It was just one day of shooting. The one thing I can tell you is that I think the fans will enjoy what happens more if they understand that it's a bit of a callback to an earlier season, way before Moriarty even appeared, actually. The first meeting between Riker and Data. You guys remember that? Way back in that episode. That's right. You should remind yourselves of that. As Riker says in the script in uh, in the scene that we did, this is not the Moriarty that you know from the Enterprise. And in fact, that is true. And that's all I can tell you. It's a different kind of Moriarty, but it's still Moriarty. It's very exciting. The final season of Picard premieres on Thursday for September, uh, September, February 16th, 2023, exclusively on Paramount Plus in the U.S., with new episodes of the 10-episode long season available to stream weeklies, on Thursday, I have to tell you, I freaked out when I saw him in the season three trailer, and I was like, "Yes!" And I was like, "Ah, Moriarty," because he's one of my favorite villains, and I always wondered, "God, man, when you trap this thing in the box that's so smart for so long, what happens if he finds out that he's in the box? Right? Something like devastating yeah. has to happen." But the fact that he's only in one episode, I have to tell you, is a little bit disappointing, and I sort of wish that I didn't know that. That's one of those spoilers that, like, uh... Totally, yeah, I know, same here. It's know. like, it's a buzzkill. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so, I was kind of disappointed myself. Yeah, but uh, I think he's going to totally rock the one episode he's in, I'm sure. I'm sure the Moriarty thing will be good. I'm sure that we will not be entirely satisfied, because, of course, we all have our own idea of what it should look like right now. And perhaps that's even better than reality. David, take it away with our next story. All right. Well, it looks like I'm going back to Discovery. So Star Trek Discovery Season 5 adds Umbrella Academy star Renee, maybe? I think they're talking about – it feels like this. it's Callum Keith Rennie is the actor. It's Rennie. Yeah, it's Rennie. Callum Keith Rennie is his name, right? So it's just like this is kind of starting mid-sentence. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> who appeared in the third season of Netflix superhero show as Lester Pocket, <clears throat> will play Rainer on Discovery, described as a gruff, smart Starfleet captain who holds a clear line between commander and crew. As per the official character description, Rainer doesn't do niceties. With His uh, mantra being get the job done and apologize later, in addition to Rennie's showrunner, Alex Kurtzman announced that Eve Harlow and Ellis Tufix would also join the cast as series regulars. Harlow will play Maul, a courier-tuned outlaw who goes into every situation with a clear plan, while a Tufix will play Maul's impulsive and fiercely protective partner, Lack. The long-time, oh, sorry, the log, log line for the fifth season, which is due to premiere in 2023, reads, Captain Burnham, 
and the crew of the USS Discovery uncover a mystery that sends them on an epic adventure across the galaxy to find an ancient power whose very existence has been deliberately hidden for centuries. But there are others on the hunt as well, dangerous foes who are desperate to claim the prize for themselves and will stop at nothing to get it. Bomb, bomb, bomb. Wow, so dramatic, (laughs) my God. I've got actually a side comment to this one. As Jim and Eric remember remember Terrence, Terrence popped a picture of this captain in our chat and said to me, Charles, when did you start get when did you start discovery? Saying I look yeah. somewhat like this captain. Yeah. Maybe okay. we should change picture on our trucktalk.com page. There you go. <laughs> cool. I look better in blue than I look better in blue than red. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I think the blue suits you much better, Charles. Yeah. All right, Paul, you, you've got our next story. This is a good one, too. All right. Yeah. Let's jump, let's jump back into the world of uh, comics, friends, uh, because Star Trek Defiant is a new series that's been announced by uh, comics juggernaut IDW. Star Trek Defiant has been announced, offering a darker, edgier Star Trek story with an unusual crew. Christopher Cantwell writes the series with Angel Unzueta providing the artwork. The series spins out of the upcoming flagship Star Trek series, and I'm pretty sure that series, Issue 1, hits this coming Wednesday in comic shops, fans, if I'm not mistaken. I'm almost positive that's the street date. So get thee to your comic book store next week, and this will be the inroad to this Defiant series. So it uh, jumps off from that flagship Star Trek series that IDW is putting a lot of emphasis behind. So it's going to be a big deal. It was first previewed at the very end of uh, issue 400 with Worf stealing the USS Defiant after a falling out with Captain Benjamin Sisko during the mission aboard the USS Theseus. Uh-oh. Kind of had a little... Uh, I love the foreshadowing the... there. I yeah. do not like you anymore. I am leaving. <laughs> Worf's handpicked crew for this Paul... mission... Paul's combining Star Trek and Defiant together. Two different comics. Right, I'm just talking about the flagship series references. No, this is no, this isn't this isn't Star Trek. This is Star Trek Defiant. It's a different comic. Uh, right. I realize I realize that, but they're talking about the series spins out of the upcoming okay. flagship yep. Star Trek series. Yep. All right. So, go on Deep Space Nine in the Black and yep. steal the Defiant. But he's hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys just to shut up a minute and let me continue. How's that yeah. sound? Worst handpick crew for this mission includes Bellana Torres, Spock, Rolaren, and Lore. Mm. Those are from various different franchises within the Star Trek universe. So I'll let you guys do the, the draw the yarn lines between who's who. <laughs> Taurus's involvement is particularly interesting since her husband, Tom Paris, is aboard the Theseus. Cantwell said, I'm thrilled to follow the new flagship series <clears throat> from Trek Masters. And yes, Star Trek Defiant is part of the same massive story that we're all crafting together. Well, who'd have thought that? There's somehow mm-hmm. Huh, interesting. Wow, it's almost like I was right. Expect crossovers and epic events. 
Expect Star Trek comics like never before. Expect many fans to be shocked and surprised by how things are all woven together. Cantwell continued. And I am incredibly grateful to editorial mastermind Heather Antos for including me on this dream come true journey. I wish us all kapla and hope you dig it. Star Trek Defiant will debut in March 2023, about five issues into the flagship Star Trek series. Huh, there's that flagship Star Trek series again. I hope I don't confuse them. The two comics will eventually cross over. Wow, they're going to cross over. It's like they're connected. It's like they're not as disparate as we might have thought. How interesting. Star Trek writers Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly tease more books set in the new, oh, more books set in the new Star Trek line. Wow, which takes place between the end of Star Trek Voyager and the film Star Trek Nemesis in September. I'll be darned. IDW, it's like you really do know what you're doing. How about that? Jim, what do you have for us, my friend? Oh, Jonathan Frakes, guys, who, who of course, plays Captain Picard's father um, on Star Trek. Um, uh, excuse me? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I get Old along in the tooth. Old and senile. Affect my brain every once in a while. Uh, Jonathan Frakes teases more projects after Picard season three. Frakes has teased that his upcoming appearance as Riker on Star Trek Picard season three may not be the last time he returns to the role. Although the series has featured plenty of cameos from previous Star Trek actors, the upcoming third and final will feature a reunion of nearly all the entire TNG team. Although this is the first time that the entire cast is reunited, Briggs has never strayed far from the Star Trek universe. In addition to making several appearances as Riker in earlier episodes of Picard, he has voiced the character on three episodes of the animated series Star Trek Lower Decks. Before that, he hadn't played Riker in a Star Trek property since 2005 on the series Enterprise. We'll forget about that one. But he has made a habit of directing episodes of various Trek series, including Picard, Discovery, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. That's all in addition to helming the first films, First Contact and Insurrection, as well as the upcoming Strange New Worlds Lower Decks crossover episode. Dun, 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 dun. The official Star Trek Twitter account posted the Star Trek Picard Season 3 trailer online with the caption, The Final Voyage. This prompted Frikes to quote tweet the trailer with the intriguing comment, Maybe not final. Given Freak's clear willingness to continue playing in the Star Trek sandbox, it makes sense that Star Trek Picard may not be Riker's last outing. However, finding the exact place that he fits in could be more complicated. Given the contrasting timelines of many of Paramount Plus's series, their premiere live action series Strange New World and Discovery both take place long before and long after the events of TNG. So those options would seem to be out unless Riker is sent into time. Therefore, it's possible that what Frakes is implying is a yet unannounced Riker-centric spinoff, or perhaps some other kind of project for the next generation cast. Either way, there seems to be much more ahead for William Riker. Dun, 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 dun. What do you guys think? Pretty excited? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, more Riker is always better as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's definitely. I mean, he's he's got the. It's basically if they want to do anything and really tie it together, they seem to give him the director's chair for anything they really put that emphasis behind. Um, I thought it was interesting. Uh, a few stories about back when uh, Jim was reading the Discovery Shift in Tone article. <laughs> that one sounds like somebody said, "Make it more like Strange New Worlds, or we're canceling you." Yeah. <laughs> this is that's definitely you know. Oh, it's going to be a lighthearted adventure where do, we're running around I, and it'll be fun. I mean, I was just like, uh, it really sounds like that was you know. Uh, Paul, can we? I want to do an entire show about the Strange New Worldsification of Star <laughs> Trek Discovery because I feel like it is a phenomenon, and I feel like I'm like pretty disappointed by it in a lot of ways. So yeah, yeah. let's talk. Let's yeah. Talk Cause it's it. like there, it would be very interesting to talk about. I think, you know, we'll uh, meet in a bar and discuss uh, some thoughts on that and, uh, and plan ahead. Sounds good, buddy. Uh, somebody posted that Star Trek discovery was cut back to 10 episodes because of the failing uh, um, ratings and because of the huge popularity of Strange New Worlds, and I quickly had to tell this individual, that is utter BS. I don't know where you heard that. I don't know who told you that, but all Star Trek shows are now being produced with only 10 episodes. It has nothing to do with failing ratings. I call that and... the Star Warsification of the Star Trek franchise because Star Wars thinks it's okay to only give us like six or eight episodes. So, you know. Yeah. Whatever. So and and I I love Strange New Worlds. Anson Mount is the bomb. He's the man. I just he's he's just awesome. But uh, you know I, I I do think that Strange New Worlds has some issues. My, I you know it's do. just but it's just like I like the idea that they can all be unique and have their own you know vibe right. right and be Which very different. Why, like I don't want to go in the yeah. ice cream shop and say, well, sir, we have vanilla, but we also have French vanilla. Right. It's like, no, man, I don't want those flavors to be that similar. I want discovery to be its own thing. And it's super forward and it's super progressive with its mindset. And they do some crazy cosmology spinning stories. And and they're a thousand years in the future, man. I mean, you know, it's just like they're way, way out there in a different vibe. I don't want uh, the same kinds of stories or even the same kinds of characters. Right. I like that they're willing to be different and I think they should continue to, to push back on that. Right. And, and, you know, uh, uh, as much as they can, you know, uh, they got a great cast on that show, you know, say what you will about some of the writing or episodes, but that cast is spectacular. And I, I think that they should try to listen to those actors and, uh, and make it more character driven about, you know, who those folks are, because it's, it, they got a splendid group of performers there. I really don't want them to just, you know, pull the rug out because, Oh, everyone's watching. Uh, I mean, I love strange new worlds too, man. I totally do. It's great. Oh, yeah. It's fun, it's but I don't want everything to be like that. You know, I, I don't, you know, it's just like, let's, let's enjoy the freshness and the uniqueness, uh, that uh, that that cast has given us, and you know, don't pull a rug out from under the mat, man. They got a lot of stuff that they could still tell us. Lots going on. We we want to play in the future universe, and you know what? We saw the Gorn, but we haven't seen the Klingons. Give me some Klingons. Um, all right, guys, are you ready to talk about lower decks? Yeah. Yep. Let's let's dive right in. So we're going to be talking about last week's episode of Lower Decks, not the one that's on today, okay? 
And we do that on purpose so that all of our listeners that may not be able to watch it on Thursday night, maybe they don't get it until Friday or whatever, uh, we're talking about it, and we're well beyond that 48-hour spoiler window. So this is done intentionally. So we're going to be talking about Crisis Point 2 Paradoxes. Season 3, Episode 8, Boimler's holodeck movie sequel tries to live up to the original. If you guys remember, um, um, Mariner wrote a holodeck program. Uh, was it last season? Yeah, I think it was last season. Oh, it was um, two seasons ago. Well, no, no it was last season. That, Sorry. Last season, yeah. but two uh, years ago. Yeah. Yeah, Crisis Point. No, season one. No, oh, hold on. So it was one. Uh, no, season no. No, so season one. Sequel. Season one, episode nine. I'll get to that. Oh yeah. And before we start, before <laughs> we start, I always ask you guys to score the episodes, and I always play a little soundbite for you guys just to to get you in the mood, help you remember, jog your memory, just to set up the tone and have some fun. So here, and I usually play the captain's log, but I got something a little different for you guys this week. Let's let's hope it works. Personal log. I'm still processing Ransom's news about the death of William, my transporter clone. It just doesn't make sense. He had everything I thought I wanted, but then he died for no reason. You couldn't stage a more forgettable death. Computer, I thought I'd find answers in the holodeck, but the MacGuffin ended up being a fraud. Plus, I passed out and hit my mouth on the floor. Anyway, I probably should have taken a therapy break with Dr. Miglimo before crawling into a rock deity, but I don't know. I'm feeling a lot better either way. You know what? My movie rules. Yeah, I I learned that I can't worry about what's beyond my control or it'll keep me from truly living, but more importantly, Crisis Point 2 blew Mariner's stupid movie out of the water. Yeah, in your face. (laughs) Okay. So uh, there you have it, Boimler's log instead of the captain's log. So every week I ask you guys on our Facebook page to score the episode in a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best. And Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about Crisis Point 2? Well, fan Larry Sullivan gave it a 6.4. Eric Nagamine gave it a 7. Too much fan service. Top fan Mark Berger gave it a two. Worst episode ever. Preferred the robot effing the Birdman. Uh, that's a reference to last week's episode. William Joseph gave it a six. Jess Van Gosen, if Christ in point one was an eight for me, then I'd have to give Paradoxus a seven without getting too spoily. It had good character development, but I feel like it wasn't as deep as the first. I've still watched it twice already, LOL. Thanks, Jess. Susan Holly Anderson gave it 8 out of 10. Jamila Khalil said a 9. Daniel Rudolph gave it a 6. George Stompy Hollow gave it a 7. And Julian Phillips gave it an 8. Loved all the references and similes such as the graphics for TMP and uh, Wrath of Khan. And that legacy cameo was great. Thumbs up. This gives us, guys, a fan score for this episode of 6.5. And uh, if, you're, if you're following along, 6.5 is uh, not necessarily at the top of our list here. Uh, in fact, it is the uh, second lowest to last week's episode, A Mathematically Perfect Redemption, which, you know, mid-season slump or whatever, last week was episode seven, this week is episode eight, 
so 6.5 last week was 4.4 before that we're we're averaging up in the eights and nines so um so yeah what do you guys think all right so every week we line up episodes that were either mentioned, dropped, or referenced as some type or another in this week's episode of Lower Decks, and we call that Cadet Training. And for that, we turn to our very own Charles. So, Charles, what episodes can we go back and watch to catch some of the well, references for this week's Lower Decks? Well, I'm going to say a good big thank you to one of the YouTubers out there. He helped me with a lot of references. Let's start right off with Lower Decks Crisis Point, Season 1, Episode 9. This is actually Part 1 of this episode, Part 2. Let's go to The Next Generation, Season 4, Episode 26, Season 5, Episode 1. Redemption, where we get to meet the Duras sisters and Sila. We figure that might be the tie-in to the Romulans we meet in this episode. Yeah, meaning that we have like some some Klingon twins versus Romulan triplets. Yeah. TNG's first contact. We meet where we've seen Captain Dagger. Boimler, what's a lot like the rescue in First Contact. TOS is Wrath of Khan. If you looked at the videos, that was the same video for the, the videos demonstrating Genesis. So we go on, and that lab, very much the lab of Wrath of Khan. TOS is Voyage Home. And we get the when we get the street punks, and we get a few more crazy punks in this episode. Enterprises, the year the voyages, season four, episode twenty-two. Even though Jim doesn't like mentioning, we see another hollow deck of the founding of the Federation. TNG's nemesis. The bomb we see in this episode is the same bomb we saw in Nemesis. The Thalron weapon, yeah. Yep. Lower Decks Terminal Provocation, Season 1, Episode 6. The origin of the Choo Choo song and the group who sang it. TOS's Undiscovered Country. Oh, let's go back and see the sequence of God. TNG's Generations, where we see Kirk's home. Though Kirk's not home right now. And I've heard other mentions, including some of the screenwriting has tie-in. The credits had tie-ins, I think, to uh, Motion Picture and Rathacon. And I'm sure we can go down other other tie-ins. This had a lot of recognition of TOS and TNG. So, Jim, Absolutely. after all that, why don't we go ahead and talk about the episode? Yeah, let's let's dive right in, so to speak. And I want to start off. I want. I got one more sound bite. I want to play for you guys. I want to get this one out of the way, and then we can we can. Oh, I gotta let my dog out here. She's she's barking at me here. 
I hear you, Emma. See, that's how you, you see it's a live show. See, if the dog barks or wife yells at me because I'm burning the chicken, you guys are going to hear it. So hear <laughs> me. All right. Go on out, girl. Good. All right. So I want to play a clip for you guys. And, it, and I entitled the clip, It's Idaho. Where am I? Mariner? <sighs> Steady. Steady, Emma. Captain Kirk? Oh, my, no. It's Captain Sulu. Oh, my gosh, Captain Sulu. Even better. Uh, sorry about that. The, the mailbox said... I took this place off Kirk's hands. He had to go and time travel, or who knows what. The man could never relax. What? What is this place? Pretty nice spread, right? There's even a hot tub in the back. Is this heaven? The afterlife? The nexus? It's Idaho. Would you like to feed the horsey? <laughs> All right, so of course we know who voices that awesome character. So, yeah, I wanted to say that there were a lot of references in this episode to one of my favorite movies. Come right back to that again. Did you guys notice the name of the planet that they went to? The Shatnari. Shatnari, and of course, Shatnari is actually uh, two references built into one. The first reference, of course, is Shakari from Star Trek V, of course, where they go to meet the god um, creature. Um, and it's also Shatner who directed Star Trek V, hence the name Shatner worked into it. So they, they kill two birds at one stone. They go to the planet and uh, they meet, you know, a god creature there who turns into a rock creature, of course, like in Star Trek V. And when uh, Boimler goes into it, he doesn't accept that. He breaks into the side of it, and he sees this plaque that kind of says Kit Hawk, and he rubs it all off, and it turns out to be the Kitty Hawk, which is obviously Beedra from Star Trek, the motion picture little little thing yeah. there. But, um, yeah, so I, I really enjoyed this particular episode. Um, it went in a direction actually, I didn't expect, actually, to actually, say the truth. Actually, Jim, Jim, Shakari. It's actually an anagram for Sean Connery, the original yeah, character they, who was supposed to play the god. They wrote that part for him, and he was doing Indiana Jones at the time um, and couldn't do it. So they ended up with Lawrence Lucking. But hey, maybe they'll get Sean Connery for Strange New Worlds. We didn't actually get to see him. Spybox never turned around. Um, who knows? But at any rate, um, I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, I the ending, when we find out that Boimler's clone is dead, but isn't really dead, and he's hanging around on the Defiant in Section 31, um, you know, is that some foreshadowing going on here? I mean, we've been hearing about Section 31 since Season 1 of Discovery. Um, it's awful odd that Strange New Worlds would just bring it up out of the blue. So I don't know. Maybe we'll see some Section 31 in the not-too-distant future. I don't know, but um, I did enjoy it. I liked it. I liked all the references. Obviously, the blonde woman that's on regular one is supposed to be um, uh, Kirk's, Marcus. you know, Carol Marcus, obviously. Yeah. And uh, there's that. Um, I can't even, there, there's so many references. I, I, I don't want to get into all of them because there's a lot, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I really like Tendy's character in this episode, how she wants to captain and she's 
she takes control. And uh, here's Rutherford over here eating potato chips and a sandwich. And I'm thinking to myself, he reminds me of the guy when you're role playing, when you're doing D&D, who's not really getting into the game. And, and Tendy kind of goes off on him at, at one point in the episode. And when she confesses that she wants to be a captain. So that was that was a good character development for her. And of course, the doctor is always great. You know, she's got she's a foul mouth. She runs around f this f that. And uh, when she dies, Tendy is really shaken up. Even though it's only a holodeck death, but Tendy takes it pretty hard. Um, Mariner, Mariner is herself in this one, and uh, yeah, so I really liked it. I, I I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot better than the bird episode of last week. Let me, I'll put it, leave it at that. Um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and for me, for me, I think, um, I think I'll go with an eight on this one. Definitely. I'm going to go with an eight. I liked it. I thought it was fun. A lot of fun. I, I loved, um, what's his name? Kayshawn. Uh, he kept talking. And those, <laughs> Timba. Timba, Timba, uh, and I thought that was funny. Um, and of course, let's remember that this nothing in this episode actually really happens except for Boimler's clone's death. That's not really his death because he's in right. Section Thirty-One. All everything else is in everything else is in the uh, Vindictiverse. Right, and people were oh, that's the other thing. I thought that was funny when when Tendy says. Oh, oh, you mean you created an alter universe with younger actors playing the same us but in a different timeline? Which of course <laughs> yeah, highly universe. irregular or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that that got really me laughing. Um but I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I thought the characters went in, in, in different directions. And it was I thought it was cool to see the bridge crew, but not as the bridge crew that we know. They're in a different uh capacity here. They're kind of like background characters to Tendi and Rutherford in this particular episode and the uh, motorcycle chase or not the motorcycle chase. What was it? The uh, um, grab bike. Yeah. The grab bike reminded me of that, of the dune buggy chase in, um, in nemesis uh, where there are in in, in insurrection. Direct. Yeah. Those two movies, I mix them up a lot, but I know you do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and, and you know when Picard's driving the dune buggy and Worf's got the little he's shooting at the at the Remans out the back, it's kind of of that a little bit. But yeah, so that's my take on it, guys. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. How about you, Charles? Well, one of the things I comment on because I didn't realize the first time I saw it. Did you ever notice that you had? If you saw the bridge crew in real life, if you saw real life, it was in full HD. <clears throat> if we went into the Nexus, the holodeck, we went into the holodeck, we went to full screen. So there was a barrier oh, between that. the two. There was a barrier <laughs> between the two. And somebody mm-hmm. said, and I actually missed it, that the, when, when – uh, Mariner walks out of the scene. She walks over the black line. Yeah, I, you know what? But I, I saw that, and I thought to myself, "Why did the door? What's wrong with the door? What? What are they? I thought that was just a mistake. I didn't actually know. No, I mean, I noticed this, but I now go. I want to go back and rewatch it again because 
that's you've got a differentiation differentiation between the two parts. And I thought it was a very creative like that is a creative way of doing it. I wouldn't mind seeing more use of that type of filming. Did they do well, that finally, in the Crisis One? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. But yeah. this was definitely we finally got the teaser of Boimler coming to the rescue. But then you finally realize like, oh, it's a holodeck simulation. But that it's interesting, there's one snippet where you see the good shot of the uh, Boimler as the captain. And the man behind him actually looks like one of the actors from First Contact in that actual scene. So there are so many little flashbacks to so many episodes. I like the fact that they did a lot of flashback to TOS episodes. But I didn't think about it till I saw the review of, <clears throat> oh, we've got the triplets. Kind of like a pair of twins we had before. It's like, oh, okay, good. Good, good thought in there and bringing the Dora sisters kind of into this one in a different way. And I think kind of Snake and Sela in also. But it's interesting how they take this one, because Boimler kind of, oh, Boimler's going for the big event, and then he sneaks off and thinks he's going to go for looking into life. And I thought it was an interesting thought of how it kind of looks at life sometimes. Definitely, I think some of the fans, I enjoyed this episode. Maybe not as quite as much as others, but I'm going to say, an, I was going to say an 8, and I think I'm going to an 8.5. All right. David, do you want to jump in here? Sure, yeah. Um I I really like this episode quite a bit, a lot better than last week's episode for sure. (laughs) Um, One of my biggest thoughts was at the very end when um, Boimler's uh, clone did not die uh, and Section 31 came in, when you guys were talking about how Section 31 wasn't mentioned until Discovery, and now that they're going to be coming up with a Section 31 TV series, I'm wondering if the Section 1 TV series Excuse me. Is going to tie make a lot of uh, loose ends tie up to all the different series that are making right now, and if they're going to be doing a crossover for Lower Decks and Strange New World, who's to say they can't do it with Section Thirty One? So maybe we might be seeing characters from uh, Lower Decks that might show up in Section Thirty One, or vice versa. So I don't know. I thought it was kind of interesting. That's true. So, they, they could do that. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of fun parts. I liked a lot of the references, of course. There were so many. Probably more in this episode than there have been through the entire season so far. <laughs> um, the the whole uh, going to Idaho and to Kirk's Manor or the stables or whatever, um, I don't know if 
that was actually a holodeck scene, or was that actually from the holodeck, or was that just something from Boimler's Dream? I don't know. I'm thinking. I'm thinking Boimler's subconscious. Okay. Yeah. It was a little confusing. I was like, are they still in the holodeck or what's going on? And he wakes up in the infirmary. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. But, yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, twists in this episode. This has definitely got the uh, Oliver Twist vibe. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely going to be giving this episode uh, about a 9.6. Wow. That's, well, that's, wow. That's, that's quite the swing from point two last week. Point one. <laughs> point zero two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, point zero one. That's what it was. <laughs> right. Yeah, that last week's episode was really bad, but this one just went spot on. It, it got back to the whole lower decks uh, theme, so I'm glad they kind of moved back to the original. Yeah, this was a fun one. How about you, Paul? What do you think? Well, I thought it was pretty good. Um, you guys have really covered virtually everything under every rock about the episode, so there's not a lot to really uh, <laughs> jump in on that you haven't already talked about, like the you know rubbing off of the plaque to reveal Kitty Hawk, right? That's a complete you know V'ger send up, right? But uh, um, yeah, it's good. It's just it was for me. It's a little one of those things where it's just like there's so many references and. and Whereas it's like sometimes it's it just gets a little old for me, the references and it's like is there storytelling or is it just fan service and references, right? And sometimes the cumulative oomph of that is just kind of like wearying, because it's like you know are we are we telling a story or are we playing this little kind of I recognize that game, and it's of course we recognize it, but is that really engaging storytelling or is it just sort of you know we're making this little club that we all recognize. and Isn't that cute? And so, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it gets a, a little wearying after a while for me. Um, uh, Bucephalus dagger. Anyone know where Bucephalus is from? Uh, I'll take that. No, no, I do not. Bucephalus was Alexander the Great's horse. <laughs> so it's kind of funny oh, that he oh, named weird. it after a horse. It's like if you're anybody's a fan of uh, the Adver- Adventures of Baron Munchausen, that uh, picture, um, he also named his horse uh, Bucephalus. So it's kind of got this uh, his great historical lineage, except he named himself after a horse, which is, you know, kind of hilarious. And then. I like I, I I kind of myself hope we never get a section thirty one series because I think that would just be tedious in the extreme. Um, but I do love it where he's like, um, uh, isn't section one thirty one supposed to be a big secret? So why would we wear special com badges that advertise who we are? I mean, just you know, but that was pretty funny there. Um, but again, it's just like you know, so much of it is just riffing off of stuff that we've seen before from other, you know, episodes and other movies, and that's fun and stuff, but I just, uh, I don't know that it's a series you hang your hat on, unless there's something really, uh, you know, engaging and new to it, and uh, I don't even know to what degree that I've seen anything that's super new that these guys have contributed, so I think it's just... Fun, and there you go. I mean, for laughs. But uh, I would probably give this one, just comparing it to the other episodes I've seen, I would probably give it a, a seven, except 
I just loved the George Takei scene. I thought that was uh, his reaction when he calls him Kirk. Oh, my, no. <laughs> you know, oh, anyone who knows George Takei knows, oh, please do not ever in a million years mistake me for it. For William Shatner, and so um, I thought he was hilarious, and just the affection I've got for uh, Sulu as a character for me that bumped it up to an eight. So it's just it was fun, it was entertaining. Um, do I want to see ten episodes a year that are just like this with all these callbacks and you know recognition things and all those kind of deals? Is that is that comedy that's enduring? I don't know. And the jury's still out for me on that. So it, it was fun. Would I want to watch it again? To me, that's my you know litmus test for is a is something really entertaining and great where I want to run back and with you know sincerity and, and genuine affection want to watch it again. I don't know that a lot of these I would. So that's just my take. So I'm I'm uh, go on record as saying it's an eight though for me. And but that's because of George Takei. If George wasn't, I think my score would be a lot lower. Well, George is the man, you know. He is the man. Well, you think you know everyone's the man? <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought the, I uh, thought five minutes ago, I'm uh, uh, Strange New Worlds is the man. <laughs> well, that's on Strange New Worlds. Now we've switched from Strange New Worlds to TOS. <laughs> <laughs> He's the man. Got it. He's just trying to keep up, man. Just trying to keep up. The man. Well, Eric. You get the caboose, buddy. Wrap this this whole folly yarn up for us. Sure. Uh, well, I, you know, overall, I think I kind of got to put this where the fans did, which is above last week's episode, but below every other week's episode. Um, I can't disagree with anything that Paul said. I think this episode actually relies completely on references and like callbacks to the past. In fact, it's a part two of a previous episode, but it actually doesn't really read that way because the characters are different. The story is different. Like you don't really follow Mariner in the same way that you did in the first part. So maybe it's part two, but it doesn't really read as a part two, which uh, I think hinders it. Uh, The characters kind of have like some interesting moments. I, I I don't know. There's, um, you know, Rutherford, I think on the show is my favorite character and I'm not sure that he is, uh, that I totally enjoy <laughs> his part in this, in this episode. Um, Mariner is, is, is okay. Um, I like the callbacks, you know, they use certain familiar, like graphic representations, like fonts and that kind of stuff. They introduce an interesting idea of this whole like algae crisis idea. You know, is this is this a part of Star Trek lore that <laughs> that we don't know about, or was that only in the holodeck world that Boimler created? I don't know. It'd be kind of interesting to know if there was an algae crisis at some point. Um, you know, callbacks to previous episodes, the Choo Choo song and all that kind of stuff were okay. So I, I don't know. I wasn't on the show last week. I was uh, I was away on vacation. Uh, and so I, I didn't get a chance to tell you guys that I thought last week's episode was just awful. I hated Peanut Hamper. And uh, I would have given that episode about a four 
um, or two weeks ago, I guess. I, I say last week. It's the one we reviewed last week. But uh, if I give last week's reviewed episode a four, I would say this one isn't much more than about a 6.5 for me. It just didn't have enough meat to it to really make it interesting. And I must admit that one of my measurements of, uh, of Lower Decks is when I watch it with my daughter, who knows absolutely nothing about Star Trek, does she enjoy this episode? I will also admit to you that she has not yet seen this episode, but as I was watching it, I was thinking to myself, would she enjoy it? And I, I thought to myself, yeah, marginally, like, does anything really interesting happen? Does any character development really happen? Like, I, I mean, there are some fun moments like, uh, you know, the, the Bucephalus dagger or whatever his name is. Like, he's got a cool, like, uniform that we've never seen before, right? Got like that, that reflective white strip. Yeah, right, exactly. So like, what? That's, that's about as far <laughs> Who as cares? it goes. Who yeah, cares? That's about, that's oh, about my as far God. As it goes. So, so I would agree that George Takei, I think, is the highlight of the episode. Everything else is a weak callback that, if you're not into Star Trek at all, is kind of like whatever. So, yeah, I, I don't know. This one's not much more than about a six and a half for me. What about the back skin, Matt? I mean, that was funny, you know, it was, it was funny and it actually, you know, kind of recalls a lot of other franchises that sort of use that trope of the secret map that's revealed, you know, based on whatever, folding stuff over or people's skin or uh, time. He's, a, he's the know, back cover letter. of Mad Magazine. Like if you push it yeah. together, it's, it's like, I mean, yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So I don't know. I didn't, I just didn't find it very compelling. And I think that this show actually can be really intelligent and funny. I, it's funny. I, I have, a, I actually have a hard time reading Paul's take on the show overall because I, I feel like to me, the show doesn't always exist only on its tropes and its callbacks and stuff, but this episode absolutely did. Like this, this episode doesn't really have anything else to it to me unless you kind of really connect it to it's like an episode that takes brain power to watch and to get and to enjoy. And if you do awesome. And if you don't, well, well you're not going to like it. There's only, yeah. this it's, is, sometimes this the show is, is delightful. Fun. Sometimes it's genuinely a lot of fun and it's very, uh, you know, the, the episode where they're playing, you know, the Klingon Dungeons and Dragons game, right? That was hilarious. You know, it was just really fresh and inventive and it felt immediate and fun. And it was just, you know, very lighthearted and, and entertaining. And that's what I would hope to get from a comedy, right? But but sometimes it's kind of just, you know, uh, it's 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 it, 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 it feels more like playing a board game that's not really all that point much have as much of a point to it as opposed to being entertained and going wow nice work friends i didn't feel like saying to the folks writing this episode or directing this episode nice work guys i was like no i was like okay you, well, you, you checked a box and there you go the only the only thing the only thing to remember is this entire episode really was pointless Except for right. <laughs> the death of, of his clone. That's the only thing in the entire episode. So the whole dead. episode boils down, Jim, to the fact that they had to kill off the clone or they were going to have to come up with future stories about what happened with the clone a la Thomas Riker, right? But the clone's so, not right. dead. 
Well, well I know, but not. I mean... Yeah, it's like they killed him no, off but... and then they resurrected it. I mean, it was weak. It was, like, so tropey. Oh, yeah. You know what? It's like, I oh, surprise, he's really alive. Down to a it's, six, you know, right now. Yeah. Down to a six. The only <laughs> Keep going, man. We can go lower. 5.9. 5. 5. Thing <laughs> actually happened. Everything else was all written by Boimler in the holodeck. Um, none of none of the of the other stuff really it was all from Boimler except for the death of the clone, which was the only dead. reason this episode wasn't worse than last week's episode was that last week's episode made me actively angry as I watched it, and this <laughs> one did not. Yeah. I actually ran to the bathroom during last last week's episode. It was that bad. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I hope I never have to. Are you sure that? Uh, like are you sure? Uh, are you sure that wasn't the pizza wings, Jim? <laughs> Could have been. But, uh, man. Well, guys, uh, that that wraps up um, this week's show. Uh, I wasn't sure, but we made it. And our host score for this week was eight point one. Down to an eight. Eight point zero as I dropped my score. Eight point zero. <laughs> so there you have it. That that wraps it up. So uh, I want to say thank you. Well, before we do that, you want to head over to trektalking.com. That's right, trektalking.com. There's all kinds of great stuff over there. Please head over there and check it out, trektalking.com. You won't be disappointed. I want to let you guys know that on Monday we're going to have my buddies on from uh, Long Island Star Trek. They're also doing the Long Island Doctor Who convention. And we're going to be talking about a little bit of Doctor Who. So for your Whovians out there, uh, you definitely want to tune in on Monday night. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, we have a special 500th episode show lined up, and it's going to be very Klingon-centric. So I'll leave it at that for now. More details to come as they unfold. I want to take this opportunity to say thank you very much to our very own Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, Eric. A blast, as always, Jens. Thank you so much. And I want to say thank you so much to Paul for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Paul. It's my pleasure, friends. Thank you so much. Always, always an experience. And wrapping up our trifecta from Portland, I want to say thank you so much to our very own David, even though he forgot the donuts tonight. Thank you, David. Uh, that's okay. I'm cooking spaghetti as we speak, so it makes up for it. Yeah, that makes up for it. And thank you, of course, to our very own Charles out in Vegas. Thank you so much, Charles. Oh, thank you. It's always fun talking track. And I want to give a shout-out to Nate. Thanks for hanging out and listening to us tonight, Nate. Nate is also in Las Vegas, so thank you so much, Nate. I'm your very most excellent host, Uncle Jim, and I just want to remind you guys to please stay safe and be good to each other. And remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that, and don't Forget it. All right, guys. Hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody. Live long and prosper. Good night, all. Let's see what's out there. Engage. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.